So I'm walking around talking to people. And some of y'all are catching hell, aren't you? Hard times. And, and that song speaks about the goodness of God, how God speaks to us in the midst of all of our troubles and sorrows and pains and heartaches. And, and those are common denominators in life. And today I want to speak to you from the book of Genesis on a person who knew all about hard times. But she trusted God through it all, and God blessed her and redeemed the situation. So, reading from the 21st, 29th chapter of the book of Genesis. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel, and he said, I'll, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, hey, better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time's completed. I, I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of, of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Father, we read these passages from long ago and far away from the book of Genesis, and the culture was, was different, customs so different, and, and, and we wonder, what in the world is this story going about? And, and, and what's the application from, from long ago into today? Lord, speak to us. Open our minds to, to receive your written word and, and open our hearts to receive your living word so that we understand that, that what has been will be and that you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and what you did in, in that mixed-up situation with Lee and Rachel and Laban and Jacob, that what you did back then, you can do in the midst of our own mixed-up situations. Come, Lord Jesus. In your name we do pray it. Amen and, and amen. A while back, a lady came into the historic church about 5.15 on a Saturday afternoon. We have the grace time service that starts at 5.28. She came in about, about 5.15. I, I didn't recognize her, but, but that wasn't unusual. We have lots of visitors to, to all of our worship services, and, and so she came in and took a seat, and, and I was walking around like I do before the services, saying hello to folks, and, and when I got to her, I, I greeted her, and and then with a, a strong northern accent, she, she asked if, if I would be able to take a few minutes after the service to, to speak with her. 
I said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. So when the service was over with and I bid farewell to the folks who had been there in worship, I came back in, sat in the pew in front of her and, and talked with her while the altar guild ladies were sitting up for the, the first service on Sunday morning behind me. After telling me way more than I needed to know about her life, she told me that, that the fellow she'd been living with for several years had, had walked out on her and that she'd just lost her job as a, as a waitress. And then she concluded her thoughts with these words. She said, I'm stuck here and this is not where I want to be. Ever felt that? Ever found yourself in a situation in life and, and those words speak to you, I'm stuck here and this is not where I want to be? Well, those words about describe the life and times of, of Leah, the lady that I just read to you about in that passage from Genesis. Leah was the older daughter of, of Laban. She was the sister of Rachel, her younger sister, Rachel. And she's the wife of Jacob. And as Leah's story unfolds, it becomes, it becomes more and more obvious that life has dealt Leah some some bad cards. But through it all, through her tears and her sorrows, through her problems and, and her questions, Leah does her best to trust God in every situation. Not to trust herself, but to trust God in every situation. I'm stuck here, and this is not where I want to be. My friends, Leah represents, represents those, woman, those women for whom a real smile is a rarity and true joy is just a memory. She represents those women who are, who are trapped in, in bad marriages and yet they're determined to stay, to stay in them for some reason. She represents those women who've been abandoned by their husbands and, and they're having to raise their children all by themselves. She represents those women whose spouses have debilitating illnesses or, or addictions that have to be confronted every day. She represents those women who are, are caught up in family problems over which they have absolutely no control. Leah represents all of them. You see, her story is, is their story. But this morning... I want you to look at the bigger picture in there. And I want you to understand that Leah's story is much more than that. Because in a very real way, Leah's story is our story. Yours and mine. Male and female alike. You see, the truth is, we all have to deal with whatever life throws at us. Running is not an option. And now there is hiding. Because perhaps if, as you've discovered, there's no place to run. And there's nowhere to hide. Now that, that being the case, how did Leah manage to survive? How, how was she able to, to trust God in those times when she was feeling so all alone? What is it about Leah 
that might explain her faith and serve as an anchor for us during the stormy seasons of our lives. In searching for the answers to those questions, I, I found a few insights that I think might be, might be helpful to you. First, Leah, Leah was a victim. Now, I need to stop right here and share some thoughts with you about that word victim. Because you see, in, in our time, that word victim is too often used as a lame excuse for surrendering to circumstances, as, as some kind of play to, to get people's pity. But that's not the sense in which I'm ascribing that word to Leah, because Leah, Leah did none of that, no. Leah was used and abused by her father, Laban. You see, Leah was Laban's ticket to 14 years of hard labor from Jacob. And a few chapters after this, after, after Jacob's completed his 14 years of, of labor, he confronts Laban. And, and as he confronts Laban, he's, he in essence says to him, he says, I have faithfully worked for you during the scorching heat of the day and through the cold sleepless nights, but you reduced my wages 10 times. If it hadn't been for God's grace, you would have sent me off without a penny to my name. The words tell us that Laban was a, was a tough old bird. He made life miserable for his son-in-law Jacob, and Leah was caught right in the middle of all of it. Leah's father never loved her and affirmed her for the person that she was and, and the person that she could have been. You know, I... I can't imagine how tough it was for Leah emotionally to be, to be in the midst of, of all that. Because you see, when things are falling in on, love makes a difference. Love makes all the difference in the world. But sadly, as, Leah, as Leah's story unfolds, we, we learn that she was not loved much or often by, by anyone. She was not only a victim of her father, Laban. She was also re rejected by her husband, Jacob. That passage I just read to you a few moments ago kind of helps us to explain why that rejection took place. When Jacob comes onto the scene, he sees Rachel, and she's beautiful, beautiful. And he falls madly in love with her. So much so that he, that he goes to, to Rachel's father, Laban, and, and he promises to work for him for seven years in return for the opportunity to marry Rachel. Laban agrees. But what Laban doesn't tell Jacob is that in their culture, the older daughter always marries first. Rachel was not the older daughter. Leah was. So when the seven years are, are completed, the marriage ceremony takes place. And as was their custom in, in that day and, and that area, the bride was veiled. After the ceremony, there's a rip-roaring party and, and Jacob gets blasted. 
I was thinking of another word, but blasted will do. <laughs> and he goes to bed, he goes to bed drunk. And he wakes up in the morning to discover that he has married Leah. Mm. Having been tricked like that, we can begin to understand why Jacob rejected Leah. See, Jacob wanted to be married to Rachel, not Leah. Jacob loved Rachel, not Leah. Now, Jacob should have left well enough alone, but, but he didn't. He didn't. See? He goes back to Laban, and he cuts another deal with him. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll work for you for another seven years in order to marry Rachel. But I've learned from the first bargain we had that I can't trust you. So what I'll do is I want to marry Rachel up front, and then I'll do the seven years. See? Laban thinks it over. He says, all right, I can, I can do that. But now, wait a minute. We've got a custom here that, that when you get married, you've got a week-long honeymoon. And we're just a day or two into this thing with, with Leah. You finish your honeymoon with Leah, and then boom, you can marry Rachel. And then you worked another seven years. See? Now, how about if you were Leah? How would you be feeling when that deal is struck? See? How would you be feeling? To complicate the matter is even worse. The marriage to Rachel takes place, and Jacob wants to have children. But Leah, but Rachel, Jacob wants children, but, and he loves Rachel. But see, Rachel has trouble conceiving, but Leah doesn't. And in short order, she bears six sons and a daughter to Jacob. Now, there's every indication, he loves Rachel now, but there's every indication that during those years when she's having those children that Leah is doing her best to be a good wife. But there's also every indication in the Scriptures that even though she's dropping these children right and left, that Jacob rejects her and rejects her and rejects her, kind of rubs it in that he prefers Rachel. As I think about, about that situation, it occurs to me that, that Leah's having those children one right after another might have been some kind of vain attempt to, to win her husband's love. He wants children. I'll have children. And, and the more I have, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll love me. But that scheme didn't work. It didn't work then. And, and it doesn't work today. You see, friends, babies do not transform a bad marriage into a good one. They just don't do it. Good marriages take a man and a woman who love each other and who are willing to work at it unselfishly day after day after day. It takes two to make a healthy marriage. And between Jacob and Leah, Leah was the only one who wanted to be married. 
Leah was rejected by, by her husband. But that wasn't her only relationship challenge. As we read the scriptures, we, it becomes clear that, that Leah was rejected by Rachel. She was also rejected by her father. Both of them turned their backs on her. Now, we think about all these family dynamics, and we think this thing is so screwed up, it ought to be on the Jerry Springer show or something like that, you know. But have you ever thought about this? All the people on the Jerry Springer show came from your communities. Some of them are your friends. See, dysfunctional family relationships are, are way more common than we would ever believe. It's just that people, maybe even you, are good about hiding it. Some of you may remember Lena Horne. She was a, a great jazz musician, singer, and actress in the last century. And at the height of her career, she was interviewed by the New Yorker magazine, and, and during the course of the interview, she was asked about her relationship with her mother. Lena said this, and I quote, it happened just a few years before she died. I said, Mommy, do you love me? She said, no. I just broke down. She said, Lena, I wanted a career. And I asked, well, then why'd you have me? She said, we wanted a boy, and we got you, and you got my career. Mommy, I told her, I, I didn't want a career. I, I only wanted you to love me. My mother looked at me and said, it's over now, Lena. Just forget it. Now, that's cold. That's cold. You know, I can't begin to imagine how Lena Horner or anyone else could ever easily get over that kind of, kind of rejection. And yet, tragically, that kind of rejection is, is not rare. Not a month goes by that I don't, that I don't sit down with a person who's looking back across the years of a, of a lifetime, trying to deal with the pain of being rejected by someone who was supposed to love them. You see, folks, rejection is something that we have to learn to deal with in some form or another. Because the truth is, not everybody's going to love us. Not everybody's going to care for us. Some folks are going to reject us. Some are even going to despise us. And, and we, ought to, we ought to understand that. When Jesus was walking the earth, not everybody loved him. Many despised him. They even rejected him. Even today. Even today, people reject Jesus. So the question is not, are we going to be rejected? No. The question is, how are we going to handle rejection when it comes? Are we going to handle it negatively or are we going to handle it positively? You all know what I'm talking about here. All of you know the pain of rejection. How have you handled it? When newspapers were popular, they had advice columns, and Dear Abby was one of them, and, and 
Anne, dear Anne or somebody, anyway, they were advice column and sad people would write in wanting advice, you know. A woman wrote in and she said, the only man I ever loved ran away with another woman and I've been depressed ever since. As a result, I've become a compulsive eater and I'm getting fat because I never want another man to wound me like that. Now, that woman was not dealing with her rejection in a positive kind of way, was she? No. She was attempting to avoid further hurt by, by trying to make herself unattractive. She was caught in a downward spiral. How do you handle rejection? Give an example of a positive way, a constructive way of handling rejection. I'm going to share a letter with you that was written by, by a young man who had been rejected by a college for admissions. Dear admissions officer, I am in receipt of your rejection of my application. As much as I would like to accommodate you, I find that I cannot accept it. I have already received four rejections from other colleges, and that number is, in fact, over my limit. Therefore, I must reject your rejection. And as much as this might inconvenience you, I expect to appear for classes on September the 18th. Now, let me tell you, if I was the dean of admissions of that college, I would find a space in the freshman class for that fellow, see. Because if he could handle rejection like that, I'd have no doubt at all that he would be able to handle whatever college life threw at him, see. He wasn't accepted at college. You know, we all need to find acceptance somewhere. We read the story of Leah, and, and we see that she's rejected by, by her husband, by her sister, by her father. But as you read on, you find out that Leah finds acceptance in her children, in her children. I bet some of you have found acceptance in your children as well. We all got to find it, friends. As the story of Leah unfolds in the, in the Bible, we see that she's a victim. We see that she was, was rejected. And, and lastly, we see that she was faithful to God. She was faithful to God. Through all the difficult situations of her life, she never stopped trusting God. You know, I know some folks, when the bottom falls out for them, first thing they do is start cussing God. They don't trust that he's working in what's going on unless they can see how he's working. What are you doing? The bottom falls out for you. Do you trust in God? Do you trust him through it all? Do you have to have all the answers? Can you believe that God works in the, 
in the difficult as well as the easy? I found it that most often when things aren't going to suit us, they're going to suit God. Because see, God works in the hard times to mold us and, and shape us. Through all of her difficult situations, Leah, Leah never stopped trusting God. In fact, when Leah was having all those children, she named her firstborn son Reuben. And you know what that word, what that name means? God has noticed my trouble. Reuben. And I bet every time she saw that little fellow run around, he reminded her, hey, God is faithful. He knows just what my life's about. He's going to redeem it. He's working in it. I don't know how, but I trust him. I trust him. Friends, I don't believe there's, there's any way that any of us can face and deal with the challenges of life if all we've got to depend on is ourselves. We've got to have more than that. Leah needed more than that. She didn't look at a mirror. She looked up. And she trusted God, see. And what did God do? He listened to her, and he stood by her. God has noticed my trouble. Now, trust in God the way Leah did in the midst of all the mess of her life made two things possible. Trust in God made these possible. First off, because she trusted God, Leah was able to make peace with reality. Now, don't get me wrong. Leah, Leah did not like her situation. That's not what I'm saying. She didn't like her situation at all. But she came to grips with it. And like St. Paul, she could have said, I've learned to be content whatever my circumstances. Whatever my circumstances. Secondly, his trust in God enabled her to keep on keeping on. They wasn't self-sufficient. Not a bit. But through her trials, she found out that God's strength was more than sufficient to sustain her. Yes. And, and so, so like, like Paul, Leah could have said, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything. It doesn't say some things. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. I wonder, can, can you honestly say that? I've been around a while. Some of y'all have been around longer than me. But if you've been around a day or two on this earth, you've had to deal with some stuff. You've all had experiences in dealing with life. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, can you say from your experience, I have learned to be content whatever my circumstances Can you say from experience, I can do everything through him who gives me strength? Can you really say that? 
as you read the scriptures, I, I think it's clear that, that Leah really could have said that. We've got people attending our worship services on both campuses this morning who are wondering if there's anything left in life to hope for. And all of them are searching for the kind of love and acceptance that only God can offer. Maybe that's you. And if so, know that you're not here this morning by accident. I believe you're here because God wanted you here. And he wants you today to reach out to him. Why? Because, because God is able. And he's the only one who is able to make a victim victorious. To bury the rejection of, of others in his accepting love. He's the only one who's able to take our trust in him and lead us in his upward way. You know, God, God sheltered Leah from life's stormy blast. He gave her hope. See. And in Jesus Christ, God has promised to do the very same thing for you. He only asks that you trust him. Who are you trusting today? Who are you trusting? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've got lots of folks in here who have been successful in life, and, and lots of them, their success has been, been dampened by pitfalls and tragedies and all the rest of that. But they've had, a, they've had enough success to, to trust in themselves and be able to fool themselves and say, hey, I can, I can pull this out. I don't need any help. I'm Superman or I'm Wonder Woman. And so they go through this world getting battered this way and, and that. They go through this world by themselves. Lord, help us to, to see that, that Leah is us. And that we can walk where she walked because she was walking in your shadow. We can overcome rejection the way she did because she was holding your hand. And Lord, help us to understand, too, that, that we're, we're part of this long chain, that, that life is not just about us, no. That we're making a difference in generations we'll never see. And Leah's story shows us that. Because, Lord, we, we see Leah having such a hard time trusting you. She does. And then we flip over to the New Testament. And we see about your great love for us shown in the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and we look, we look in Jesus' genealogy, and, and who do we see? We see Judah. And who was Judah? 
Leah's fourth son. There she was in a faraway land, trusting you, and you were using her to position other people for eternity. Lord, help us to understand that you're working in our lives, that you're doing things we can't begin to imagine. And as we trust you, it'll all be revealed in time, in your time. That's in your name we do pray, Lord. Amen and amen.